Now, I now I confess, of course, that I I'm not a, a 20 Grammy Award winning songwriter. I have not sold 100 million records. I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. None of those things are true of me. But yet, I still feel I can make my little contribution towards the life's work of Bruce Springsteen, American cultural treasure. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lesson Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. But tonight, we are on a mission to repair a classic. That's right, we have taken one of Bruce's songs, we've put it up on the rack, we're digging under the engine, and we're going to see if we can improve. And I think you're going to like the discussion. Joining me today is my new friend... Dan Koisk, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I'm a writer at Slate Magazine, uh, which is an online magazine at Slate.com. Um, I write about culture and uh, music, movies, TV, books. I write about parenting. I write about a little of everything, as is the case with Slate. I'm also uh, a host of our parenting podcast, which is called Mom and Dad Are Fighting. Um, and I've written a couple of books. That is a great name of a podcast. I'm going to have so to true. check that out. It Getting is truer, truer by the day, isn't it? I, I will tell you what's funny is um, my, I have a 31-year-old. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, in last year, he, um, through some various reasons, he moved back home. And mm-hmm. so starting in about January, February, he was thinking, okay, it's time to move out. And then um, COVID happened, so he's been living with us. And so it's been very weird. Um, you know, I was working from home for two months. He was still working from home. My wife is like, I can't leave the bedroom because I'm just going to get in y'all's way. So, <laughs> uh, so it's great. Uh, how about you? Are you doing your most of your uh, – did you – did you go into the office before COVID-19 happened, or were you always uh, remote? Slate does have an office in D.C. Uh, I would work from home about half the time and go in about half the time. But we've all been home since March. Um, my wife, who's an attorney, is also home. My kids haven't had school since March, so it's been the four of us all in our house here in Arlington, Virginia, for seems like forever. But really, it's it's been like 10 weeks. And you're just feeling blessed, right? That's so much family <laughs> togetherness. Uh, hey, you know what? We are lucky. We're, we still have jobs. Yes. We have kids who didn't really mind missing school. Good. Uh, we have a school system that didn't screw things up too badly, so we'll take it. That sounds great. All right, Dan, um, so I, I'm, I, I didn't want to – I, I want to have you on another time when you've got some more time to do a full episode – but we're kind of doing a mini one now, but I do need to know kind of um, I have a sports station I listen to and they always when someone's calling in with um, a hot sports opinion about a collegiate football, they always sure. go, OK, you need to 
you need to announce your allegiance. Like, are you are you an are you an Aggie complaining about you know University of Texas? Are you right, an right. LSU fan complaining about Alabama? So I don't think you have to claim your allegiance, but I do want to kind of what kind of music do you listen to? Like, kind of in the past, currently, T- tell me what's your favorite genre of music. Um, I you know I'm 45 now, so I'm a Gen Xer. And I grew up in the college and indie rock era. And so I was a, you know, a college and alternative rock guy in the eighties. Um, so I was a big REM fan, a big U2 fan. Um, I grew to love country and hip hop and some other genres a little bit later in life in college and later on. Now, you know, I'm just like, uh, I listen to dad music, right? <laughs> Same as every dad in America. Um, I listen to guys with guitars and I listen to a little hip hop and I'm bewildered by new music, but do my best to keep up because, because I love it. And also cause that's my job. You know, it's funny, Dan is, um, there was, um, for a couple of journalists that worked for USA today did a podcast called dad rock. And then they, mm-hmm. they moved over to uh, rock in the suburbs and they kind of talk about that. Um, and, you are not alone in a lot of us when we reach a certain point, you know, our, 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 I don't know if we ever quit learning, but we quit embracing new music. It's like, Nope, got my favorites. I know what it is. Maybe every once in a while, a new CD will fall in the mix, but mostly you're like, I'm, I'm, I got my comfort food. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but I can definitely feel myself. Kidding, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. The benefit of having, teenagers is that they're out there finding things and exposing me to them and I can often grow to love them love the the stuff that they love but also part of being a teenager is that you should intentionally pick out things that your parents hate uh and they're doing a pretty good job of that as well so Dan one of the things that um Penn Gillette from Penn and Taylor in his podcast talks about that he believes in that he believes the very essence of rock and roll is that it should make you your parents upset and so he he believes that's in its dna and so he doesn't necessarily want his son or daughter to love dylan or or love you know the bands that he loved um but then later when they get there so that's that's interesting all right so well and bruce is kind of a special case because i mean when you know at the peak of of Bruce's popularity, you know, sort of mass popularity in 84, he pretty much cut across age brackets. Like my mom and my dad were listening to that album and I was listening to that album and, you know, I was nine when that album came out, but every, everyone listened to that record in a way that, uh, you know, sort of monocultural in a way that is, is a lot more rare now. Yeah. And it is, you're right. I mean, when you think about, um, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, Bruce Springsteen, when you think of the 80s, the, I think those would be the big four. Um, the, they're the big four of 83 and 84. I mean, they yeah. all had enormous records in those years. Yes. And we were going to – we're going to specifically talk about um, Glory Days, which is considered uh, by – it certainly was one of his biggest hits. Yep. Um, he one of the songs he did and the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, he does not play Glory Days 
as often live, it usually dancing in the dark gets that slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's certainly in the repertoire. And you, being a writer um, and editor, noticed a slight flaw, flaw in what many might consider, I, I would say, a certainly a modern classic. Do you want to? I mean, sh- it's a, do you yeah, yeah. Share a I mean, bit? it's a nearly perfect pop song, right? It's a yes. great and funny song. It's got an incredible hook, great vocal performance, um, very memorable, very catchy, but. Even when the song first came out, I remember listening to this record when I was nine and going, there's that one thing that isn't right. And it comes down to sports. Uh, I was then and am still now a baseball player and a baseball fan. And uh, I wasn't a high school star like the guy that the narrator Flory Dave meets in a bar in that first verse. But I played my share and, and I pitched and that one word in this song always bugged me and never seemed right. But I bet everyone who's listening right now who also plays baseball knows exactly what that word is. It's speedball. Yes. What I laughed about, and, and we will, I will include the link. Uh, Dan wrote a great column and uh, about this, and I reached out to him, and he was kind enough to join me. But what was funny, Dan, is um, I have a friend, Shannon, who I had podcasted Game of Thrones with. And uh, he had just been on the podcast talking about, he grew up in, a, uh, he went to school in Georgia, so a big REM fan, he, he was talking uh-huh. about, and he says, and I am a Bruce fan, though Glory Days has always bothered me, because what is a speedball? What does exactly. that mean? As a sports fan, that phrase bothers me, Jesse. And so he could not wait to tweet me the link to your article, which I had already said. <laughs> and he's like, look, it's not just me. It's not just me. So No, I think that this is fairly universal among baseball fans who also know this song well. Like, the song is so well-observed in all its details. It's so careful in, in the details in every verse. Uh, you know, and Bruce took a lot of care in writing this song. There's a famous story about the fourth verse that was part of this song, um, about the narrator's dad and about he, how he doesn't have any glory days anymore. And, you know, Springsteen cut that out of the, uh, of the album recording because he realized it didn't fit the tone of the song. I mean, this is a, this is a, he took a lot of care in writing the song. So it's always driven me crazy that this word speedball is in there because anyone who plays baseball or knows baseball knows there's no, you don't call it a speedball. It's a fastball, right? You pitch a exactly. fastball in baseball. That is the name of the pitch that travels at speed. And it's not like the narrator of the song doesn't understand anything about baseball, right? He understands that his friend is a player. You have to imagine that he was once a teammate of this guy, even if the narrator didn't play in high school, he played against him in little league or, or in, or in, uh, or in senior leagues. The song is inspired by a story of Springsteen running into an old baseball, a little league buddy of his um, in a bar in, outside a bar in New Jersey. So the idea that this New Jersey guy who thinks about his glory days calls a fastball a speedball is absurd. The, the line, everything about the song is right, but that line is wrong. And I felt like I, I had to do my best to try and edit it and make it better 
for Bruce's sake and really for all our sake. So I, I want to dwell on that just a minute, but a couple other points. Um, Bruce has been said that um, the first verse did happen, the second right. verse could have happened, and he said the third verse will happen, right? So he, he has that – it's that grounded. I also mm -hmm. think I have to because, as you mentioned, the 80s, it, it's also an iconic video. You know, right. I mean, I remember, um, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but I remember watching it on MTV and watching the E Street Band play in that small club uh, with, at the time, not realizing uh, Bruce's current wife and his future wife on the same set. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, that video was perfect. You love the beginning baseball, him being a dad, the whole the, little Steven playing the mandolin. Uh, Max twirling the drumsticks. It just said, "I want to be where the E Street Band's playing." It's it's it is fun, and I. You know where that bar is, right? No. So that bar is Maxwell's in Hoboken, which is actually a beloved, long-standing indie rock bar of forty, maybe forty-five years standing now. Wow. The place where the where the indie rock band Yola Tango plays their annual Hanukkah concerts where they do 10 nights of shows every Hanukkah uh, at Maxwell's. Uh, I mean, some it's, I mean, it's, it, what's interesting is that it looks like a, like a bar band bar and mm -hmm. the E street band is up on the stage meant to look like a bar band, but that's like a, that's like a beloved indie and alt rock landmark. I should have known that. I'm sure my audience is yelling at me like, hey, Jesse, how you didn't know that? But that is a great That's like the one trivia. Springsteen fact I know. There you go. That is awesome. Um, so, I, yeah, and I just think that's um, – I have often said that I think um, Glory Days is, is a song that I don't get tired of hearing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, there are certain songs that I I love, I think are great, but okay, I've heard it and I'm I'm ready to not listen to this for a while. Um, like, let's pick on the Eagles. You know, Hotel California, great song, but ah, I've heard it enough. Don't need to hear, you know, Hotel California for a while. Mm -hmm. Glory Days, on the other hand, I love, but you are right that one phrase, and so you. Dan, being a writer, being an editor, some people just look at it and then move on. You said, it is my mission to fix this. Talk That's to us right. a little bit about this. Why not do a little good in this world, I said, for exactly. once in my, in my godforsaken life. Uh, so I started thinking about it, right? I mean, this, was, this has been something I've been thinking about for years and years and years. But, you know, maybe a year ago, I started thinking, well, what, what would fix? The line that we have this 99.9% this .9 perfect pop song, what would make it 100% perfect? And obviously, the obvious answer is you replace speedball with fastball, right? Um, speedball, a word that yeah. is very seldom used to refer to this pitch, um, which actually has a completely alternative meaning, uh, is a, a, a drug cocktail that famously killed John Belushi. Yes. Um, replace it with fastball. Uh, he's, his friend who's a baseball player throws that fastball by and makes you look like a fool. And at first, that set okay with me. And I would play Glory Days, and I would, as I was singing along with it, I would replace Bruce's word with my word, and I would think, all right, that, maybe that works. But so, something about it didn't sit right 
with me. It right. wasn't quite there. So you and did that's the... when I started thinking about the second line of the couplet, right? Right. It's that the pitch makes you look like a fool. And I started to think, that's not a fastball. That's not a fastball that this guy throws that makes high school hitters look like a fool. It's some other pitch. And you're right, because like, I agree with you. At first, you go, okay, we'll plug and play. Speedball for fastball. Um, and unless you're Bugs Bunny and, you know, uh, Elmer Fudd or, you know, in the Looney Tunes where the ball is thrown so fast and the, the batter swings three times. Right, um, and it burns you know, a hole in the catcher's mitt. Yes. Um, you're right that it, um, it, it may astound a, um, a batter and he may – or she may look in disbelief, like, what, are you sure? You know, um, and, you know, it's the famous right that sounded like a ball, right? Right. You know, to the guy that had a fastball. Um, so you're like, um, that's not going to work. So here was, yeah, here was my take. It was okay. that if you're a high school hitter and you've got the guy pitching to you, who's a big baseball player, everyone in Jersey knows about this guy. And he, he's famous for his big fastball. You're going to gear up for that fastball and you're going to be looking fastball. And maybe you swing through it. Maybe you're a little bit late, but you're cutting huge on that fastball because you don't want to look like a fool. You don't want to get fooled and look like an idiot. So you're going to swing big on the grounds that maybe you'll get lucky and hit it. And if you do, it'll go a long way. Fastballs, especially in high school, I thought, don't make hitters look like fool, look like fools. What makes hitters look like fools, especially in high school where very few pitchers can throw these really well, is the curveball, right? Think about a great curveball and how it either locks up a hitter who is looking fastball and freezes him and just makes him look like a dummy as the thing just floats in there and lands right in the catcher's mitt, or makes him take this insane way ahead of the pitch swing from the ankles, twists him like a corkscrew as the ball drops into the dirt, Clearly a, an unhittable pitch. Curveballs uh, are the pitches that make hitters look like fools. So that's when I decided this guy throws a curve. Absolutely. And you're right. Um, it is um, – they do not recommend uh, little leaguers in high school should start throwing curves to begin with. It can hurt their arm. So it's rare. Um, and it is um, – so, yes, and, like, when you go to spring training, like, um, when they start, you, you know – Trouble with the curve. They, I mean, they even right. did a movie on that, right? So right. I'm when right the minor leaguers you. come in, it's the curves they can't handle because yeah. they don't see that many of them. But when someone can throw that, like in the process of writing this post, I went and found some this, these amazing news stories about like Mike Messina when he was in high school, how he had that knuckle curve in high school, and it drove hitters crazy because they did not know what to do with it at all. So I think this guy, this pitcher – Back in 1967 or 1968, uh, when Bruce was in high school with him, when Bruce's narrator was in high school with him, this guy had a great curve, and he made people look like a fool. But then that changes the lyric, because you don't throw a curve by ya, right? And, and exactly. I was going to say, unlike now, you're, you're going even a little deeper. You're going, okay, if I'm going to use curveball, I've got to change a few other things. And you being an amazing guy and someone sure, who will rise to the different higher level. Mm -hmm. um, you took it to the next level, didn't you, my friend? I did. So here's the, here's the lyric as, as I have revised it. This is now 
the correct lyric for Glory Days, and I urge all your listeners to please go ahead, start singing this whenever the song comes on. Here's the lyric. I had a friend, was a big baseball player, back in high school. He could drop that curveball in there, make you look like a fool. That's perfect. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it, you know, it, you keep the same cadence. You keep the same intent of the song. I think I maybe even slightly improve the rhyme. Maybe a little. I could see that. Yeah. I, I, you know. Yeah. And, um, and it also, now then, baseball purists will go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It does yep, drop in absolutely. there. That curve drops in there. Mm-hmm. So now I, now I confess. Of course, yes. that I, I'm not um, a, a 20 Grammy Award winning songwriter. I have not sold 100 million records. I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, you haven't won an Oscar. None of those things are true of me. Yeah. But yet I still feel I can make my little contribution towards the life's work of Bruce Springsteen, American cultural treasure. So you have this knowledge. You mm-hmm. come up with this. And you, you just said, right, like you haven't won a, an Oscar. You haven't been uh, nominated for an Emmy. You haven't won a Tony, much less of the Grammys. But you're like, mm-hmm. I'm a giving person. You know yeah. what? I, I'm going to share this. So what do you do? Thankfully, Dan? I have a platform. Yes. I have a, a magazine I write for, Slate.com, and I'm able to write this piece. And, you know, as any good journalist would do, I wanted to, to to ask my subject for comment. And more than that, I wanted Bruce Springsteen to know, oh, this great song of yours, I just made it even greater. I fixed your song, Bruce Springsteen. You're welcome. So I, um, I, I emailed his publicist, who's, a, who's been his publicist for years and years and years, uh, a woman named Marilyn Laverty um, at uh, a company called Shorefire Media. Um, she's the go-to person. If you want to get an interview with Bruce when he was on Broadway, she handled that. She's, you know, handled many of his most recent albums. Uh, she's, you know, she's an old school publicist. She founded Shorefire Media. She's been in this business forever. And I, uh, wrote to her and I said, Hey, Marilyn, uh, Dan, I write for Slate. Um, I, I would really like to interview Bruce Springsteen so that I could explain to him how I fixed one of his most beloved popular songs. Uh, do you think I could get him on the horn? And um, she uh, she didn't write back. So I uh, I checked in a couple of days later and I said, hey, just wanted to check in about this. I want to publish this piece for the 35th anniversary of Glory Day's release as a single, uh, which was, uh, of course, uh, May 31st, just a couple of days ago. Um, so, you know, I'd love to get Bruce on the phone or even just just over email you know, if he's got time, we're, we're all hanging out at home right now. So I'd love to talk to him about his song that I fixed. And she finally did write back. She wrote, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to set up an interview with him or get a comment on this. Sorry. Okay. So I don't know if you know this story, but some, I think it was Ben Affleck, was at a party early and met George Lucas. And he had mm-hmm. to say, have you ever seen Clerks? And supposedly Lucas said, oh, yeah, uh, maintenance workers in the Death Star, funny. (laughs) Kevin Smith's telling this story. So my hope, Dan, is a couple years from now, Mm -hmm. someone will say, "Um, glory days, curve. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Slate Raider, funny. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe that's what you'll get. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, my, my fondest hope, you know, is Bruce has a, an, an immensely active and engaged fan base of which you are obviously a member. Listeners to your podcast are members. Readers of Backstreets are members. Um, the, the internet and the world are full of Bruce fans who are dedicated to their fandom. Um, my sense is that the overwhelming majority of Bruce fans will gladly accept a revision to one of his lyrics from some random writer on an internet magazine. And in future Bruce shows, it, they will sing along to Glory Days in unison, and they'll sing my lyric, uh, so that even if Bruce sings his lyric from the stage, he'll hear 45,000 people out of the audience singing Curveball. He'll stop the song. He'll say, hold on, everyone, Max, everyone, call, stop the sack. What did you all just sing? And, and they'll all sing it to him again in unison. And then he'll say, he'll say up there on stage, he'll go, that is better. And then from there on, he'll, he'll just continue. Playing I, 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 I love this scenario. I, and I, that is great. Um, Seems likely. It, yeah. Hey, let's, it, you know, stranger things can happen. Um, I, I, I knew we only have a short amount of time, so I, I'm going to quick, um, I do got to ask you the merit question. And, and what this sure. is, is, um, I have a, a good friend who was on the podcast. He is an honors English teacher, lives in the Philadelphia area. Every year, they, um, he covers Thunder Road as a poem. They break mm-hmm. down the lyrics. They discuss the imagery. Uh, they, one of the things he does is he compares it to Robert Frost, um, The Road Not Chosen, um, right. and, and discusses the poem. And then at the end, he asks his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So Dan, I got to ask you, does Mary get in the car? Uh, now, I confess that it, as you introduced this, I had to go Google the lyrics to Thunder Road because I couldn't remember what the whole deal was with Mary at the end of Thunder Road. So let me look at it right now. Let's break this down. Um, I thought you were going to ask me if Rosalita actually rides off on the on the motorcycle, and I was going to say, well, obviously not. It's broken down, and you got his tire slashed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no textual evidence as to whether Mary gets in the car with him on Thunder Road. I feel like the evidence in that song is all contextual, right? It's about yes. the soaring music and the way that that song takes off, uh, which certainly seems to imply, I think, uh, uh, that kind of super romantic ending. So I'm going to say yes, though I admit that I'm not qualified to do so. No, and, and this is this is the Springsteen version of the princess um, or the tiger. Right. Uh, this is Schrodinger's, uh, you know, Mary's. Schrodinger's uh, band. Yeah, yes. Um, in fact, <laughs> one of my favorite answers, and you kind of implied on that, is um, one guy said, if it's the band is playing it, she gets in the car because the full saxophone ending is them going away. When he does oh, it solo and at the end when he does, and if you know Google and you watch him where he's just doing it acoustical and right, he kind of like hums, yeah, hums the ending, she doesn't mm-hmm. because, and that's him just driving away by himself. 
So oh, that's uh, the best answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I sign on to that answer. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, yeah. Dan, this is hilarious, and this was so much fun. I, I want to have you back sometime where we can do a full episode. I want to talk about the music you loved growing up. Uh, we can get into some, some of your favorite bands. But for now, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, I'm at dancoist.com, D-A-N-K-O-I-S.com. I'm on Twitter at, at my name, Dan Coist. And you can find my stuff on uh, Slate. Just go to Slate.com, and 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 you'll you'll see the stuff that I wrote along with the many many other fine journalists at Slate, almost all of whom know more about their subjects than I know about Bruce Springsteen and songwriting. What uh, what do you got coming up? Uh, I'm working on a piece about how I've been spending quarantine, um, which is that I uh, went on a quixotic quest to walk every single street in my zip code. So I just finished a couple days ago, uh, about 225 miles of streets in my zip code in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, I'm writing about what it means to sort of get to understand your neighborhood a little bit more at a time when we're all restricted to our own neighborhoods and our own little individual worlds. Even as as the big wide world seems to be getting crazier and crazier. I really am looking forward to that. I bet that's, that's, that's an interesting insight and I'm not surprised because anyone who would take on fixing glory days is a man (laughs) who has strong ambition and is a man who lives without fear. That's right. Dan, thank you so much. I hope you and your family remain safe. This was so nice of you to take some time tonight. I know you got to go put your kids to bed, speaking of Springsteen lyrics. And, yep. uh, you know, be safe, take care of yourself, and I hope we can talk soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading lyric reading story sharing podcast that is the one the only said listening bruce said listening bruce is part of the southgate media podcast group the theme for set listening bruce was written by david rosen used by permission it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.